you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome, go-to-market leaders. Have you heard about Inbound coming up again in 2021? There are over 70,000 global attendees that's going to come in for marketing, sales, and customer success. Should be fun. If you don't know Inbound, Inbound is hosted with love by HubSpot, and I'm again partnering up with them this year to share the love across the board. So if you want to grab your ticket, you are in the right in place. I have a code for you. It's called Future CMO. You get 15% off and you can register for uh, the LinkedIn conference. Again, the show notes, you'll have all the details. Go to inbound.com, register, use the code Future CMO. It is one of the best events that happen on the planet. Boom. Sangam here. Uh, we are going to live in. 30 seconds. Isn't that a cool timer? I have not used a timer in a long time. So somebody said, man, you should use a timer. So here we go. This is my timer of going live. But as, as, as you join in, uh, just share where you're from and uh, we'll, we'll go live. Today with me, I, I feel like I say this every time. I got a good friend of mine, but this guy is really, really, really like uh, he's, he has been at my renewal wows like i mean that that tells you something about the relationship james and i had and uh, he has been helping me with my podcast and i wanted to call this more of a master class let's just talk about how you grow your audience's podcast because that's a question i get all the time so without further ado james how are you i am fantastic man there's nothing more that gets me there's nothing more hype filled on a Wednesday morning than Taylor Swift. I forgot that you existed. So uh, I am stoked for this conversation, man. That is so good, man. That's so good. I, I feel like every time I do this and people tell there's a different smile on their face, it's not like, oh my God, like I need to be like ready for my interview. It's, it's more of like, yeah, they're ready. They're already into the group. So uh, I wish people would do it. I, I love when people, you know, this get, gets them going. Um, and and folks, this is like, uh, you got to type in your questions. If you are doing podcasts right now, just type in the name of your podcast or something. We'll, we'll give it some love. Uh, I'll put it out there. About 4,000 plus people watch this uh, on a regular basis. And we do this, something like this every Wednesday, every Wednesday, 9 a.m. We're going to do it live as long as I could uh, put it up there. So with that, James, you and I have been doing podcasts. For I mean, I've been doing it for two years. How long have you been doing podcasts? Yeah, so I've been I've had a podcast since 2013, uh, and then we started B2B Growth, which it really follows the methodology that you and I will be talking about today. It's the first podcast that I really started that has been able, that it's taken off and has actually grown audience. We started that in January of 2016. So, um, so yeah, been been doing this thing for over uh, over half a decade in totality. And uh, B two B growth almost almost half a decade, so uh, it's it's been a blast so far. That is so cool. Well, I see some podcast uh, things coming up. Wendy, look, uh, she has the Global Marketing Podcast launching October first. 
Boom, that's really cool, Wendy. Congrats on, on getting that going. Type in maybe also some of the podcasts you all listen to uh, and, and make sure that people know what that is. But definitely check out uh, B2B Growth. And if you get a chance, check out Flip My Funnel. I'm wearing the t-shirt. Like, you know, <laughs> come on. Uh, that, that'd be fun. But you also have been hosting the Flip My Funnel podcast for the last two years. And I'm, I'm obviously super thrilled how you and your team have been doing it. I've learned so much from you. And I get this all the time. Hey, you know, how are you doing it consistently? How are you doing it weekly? How do you create so much content on it? And what is podcast? Should I do it? Should I not do it? I know you get those questions like all the time. That's your freaking business. So of course you get all these questions all the time. So let's just let's just get into like what is one of your what is a question that you get all the time that you're like, no, why don't people get the answer to yeah. this? Why don't people do it? Yeah, man. Uh, so I, I guess I'll start with, you know, what I wrote my book about. So the, the book is called Content-Based Networking. And the, the question that I get is around, uh, you know, because we produce... I'm just getting your book. I, yeah. I got your book right here, brother. And I got, I got, I got a yes. signed copy from you. So it's right here. Yeah. I love it. Um, so, uh, so, so the book really, you know, talks about a strategy that is really about relationship building and saying, I mean, this is something that you and I have always seen, uh, seen, seen the same way, the importance of relationship. And uh, the thing that I'm so passionate about, the reason I'm so passionate about podcasting is not necessarily because of the, the technical stuff and the, the, I'm not into that kind of stuff. Actually, I'm not very a big, like I'm not a big tech head. I don't, I don't nerd out on that kind of stuff. Um, but what I nerd out on is reverse engineering relationships and being able to genuinely uh, create relationships with the people that I want to get to know. And what podcasting and really any sort of content collaboration allows you to do is build relationships with very specific people. And so for B2B growth, uh, our service, we sell to VPs of marketing at B2B SaaS companies with 50 plus employees. And uh, a lot of people ask, well, how do you grow an audience? How did you grow an audience? We're going to talk about some of that stuff today later in the later in the talk. But really, for the first several years of our podcast, I was not concerned with growing an audience. I knew that grow growing an audience takes time. I knew there was no quick hack. I just knew it. It was going to take a lot of consistency. There are some technical things that, again, we'll talk about. But the main thing I was trying to do with our show was... Uh, build relationships with the right guests. And a lot of people think they need to go after the Gary V's and the Simon Sinek's and get, you know, get all of these fancy thought leaders to be a guest on their show. Um, but really you need to get your ideal buyer as a guest on your show. It, it does a variety of things for you. One, it actually allows you to build a one-to-one -one relationship with the people that can buy your product or service. But two, it allows you to learn actually from the mouths and minds of the people that you're selling to, the language they're using, the challenges they're facing, their priorities, the things that are you know the most important to them right now, the, the problems they're trying to solve. And so, so we did that and we interviewed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of VPs of marketing at B2B SaaS companies. And what it did is it allowed us to create relationships with all of those guests. It allowed us to create really hyper-focused content with other VPs of marketing because people want to hear from their peers. And so they subscribe to our show because 
they're going to get to listen to a bunch of people that are in their role at their type of company uh, talking about different things that they've experimented with, different things that they've seen success with. And so it works on a, on a lot of different reasons. But the, the biggest question I get to answer your question, Sangram, is, well, how do you grow your audience? And my answer is yeah. always, ah, like, don't fo- like spend some time making sure that your, your guests are right and that you're building the right relationships with your guests, because that's going to be your short term win with podcasting. Is yeah. you can, you know, you can do a hundred episodes. And if four of those episodes are with guests that end up turning into new business for your company, then you've just funded the, the, you know, if you're a typical, you know, B2B company, your average deal sizes are 25 K or more, then you've just funded the entire podcast for a couple years. Yeah. In the first hundred episodes, four of your guests have turned into new business. So that's uh, that's the thing that I end up talking about the most. Obviously wrote a book about it. I talk about it so much. Um, but uh, that's, yeah, that that's something that I wish more people understood. Yeah, you knew that. So I, I shared this with you before we started recording this, that Flip My Funnel, for example, it's, it's one of the top 50 business podcasts, which still kind of gets me going. I get emails on that all the time. Like, wait a minute, how you guys do this? And it's a daily podcast. And the reality that I tell everybody very openly, I don't do a daily podcast. Like I don't do a daily recording. What I do is at least one a day, uh, sorry, one a week that, uh, that, that I consistently have been doing. And then the other ones I, re- I have recorded it. I have, I have, have other people like Casey's on this. Um, okay. So I haven't had Casey say, hey, you know what? You have five great episodes or something like that. Why don't I play those episodes on my podcast and let the audience see it? I'll, I've partnered throughout the year with different people and I call it the Tuesday takeover and let people take over and, and I literally pass the mic to them because my goal isn't to build a reach. And what that did was it did build a reach. Like it's the funniest thing when you start thinking about like how your, your audience grows. But I feel, and I'm, I'm curious to get your, your thoughts because you are talking to marketers who are saying, hey, you know what? We have a number to meet. Mm-hmm. They're looking at it as any other metric, and we have a we have to have hundred thousand downloads or something like that. Yeah, does that even mean anything? Yeah, I don't think it does, man. I I, I think I, I think it's really hard to measure the success of your podcast by the number of downloads. Um, you 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 know, like they say in Philadelphia, right? You got to trust the process. Yeah, and. You got to know that, uh, but, but what I, what I do think is powerful about the medium is you can't, instead of saying, oh, we're going to measure the success by downloads, we're going to say, we're going to measure the success by revenue. And the way you measure the success by revenue is you look and you say, okay, we've done 50 episodes over this last year. How many of those guests that we featured on the show mapped to revenue? Like how many of them are working with us now? after having them on the show. And, uh, and, it, and it doesn't have to be this sleazy thing. You don't have to, you know, the podcast is not a disguised discovery call. It's an actual interview where you're trying to extract really phenomenal content from them. And through that collaboration process, you, you do a pre-interview, you do the interview, you're promoting the episode. You're actually genuinely getting to know the person on the other side of the mic on the other side of the, uh, you know, the zoom and through that relationship, uh, you'd be shocked how much they actually want to get to know what your 
you know, what your product does. And uh, sometimes, you know, we proactively start that conversation depending on how the conversation has gone. Other times people will just come to us and be like, Hey, uh, what would it look like to work with you guys? This process has been super fun. So, so that's, that's how I think you measure it. And, and, you know, you and I are both hearing all the time that marketers are getting pushed to, uh, to be revenue focused more and more anyway. Um, and, uh, and, and so I think this strategy lends itself really well to that mindset that, yeah, we're going to measure it by revenue and we're going to look at the number of guests we've had that have turned into customers. Now at this point, you know, with B2B growth, because we rank in Apple podcasts and Spotify for the term B2B and B2B marketing, that gets us the right listeners for our shows. So now listeners are turning into customers as well, not just guests. So now we're hitting it from both angles. Right. Um, And and if you name your show correctly, I, one of the big mistakes, Sangram, that I want to make sure that we cover here is people want to name the show after themselves instead of naming the show after the, the type of buyer that they want to go after. What I love about how you guys have named your show and Flip My Funnel, that, that's one of the four naming frameworks that we actually teach to our new customers. And, uh, and, and the framework that you guys have used uh, that we really named a, a, a framework after is vilifying the enemy of your <laughs> ideal buyer. And so what you, you guys have vilified the enemy. The enemy is the funnel and the traditional funnel. And so you guys flip it and that's how you've named your show. But, you know, other ways to name your show, you can, you can name it after your ideal buyer's industry plus your ideal buyer's role. So maybe your show is the healthcare CFO or the hospitality executive or the SaaS founder uh, or the B2B sales leader. You could name it after the primary activity that your buyer is responsible for. So if you're selling to real estate agents, your show could be selling homes. Uh, or if you're selling to people in uh, that are in CX roles, you could call it the customer experience show. Uh, if you're selling to someone that leads engineers, how to lead engineers. We've got a show called Crafting Culture that's for HR HR folks and CEOs. Uh, and then the the last one that I'll talk about is naming your show after the aspirational identity of your ideal buyer, meaning what, what do your ideal buyers want to be seen as? And so we've got one of our customers, Sharon Torek, uh, she named her show the innovative agency because her clients are agency owners and what agency owner doesn't want to be thought of as innovative. So she named her show the innovative agency so that she could interview her ideal buyers on that show and they would actually want to be a guest. We've got another show called Titans of Talent, another one called Masters of Events, the other one, uh, an, another good name would be the intelligent marketer. So those are just some very specific ways that you can name your show that is not around you, not around your expertise, but around the expertise of your buyer. And so it's going to attract the right listeners, but it's also going to allow you to attract the right guests. So again, ideal buyers industry plus ideal buyers role, hmm. the primary activity your buyer is responsible for the aspirational identity of your ideal buyer or vilify the enemy of your ideal buyer, which is what you guys have done with Flip My Funnel. Another one could be like churn sucks or stop the noise or no more forms. The trick there is you'd want to make sure to still put the keyword that you want people to find 
in the tagline of your show. Mm-hmm. And so if you, if it were churn sucks, you know, churn sucks, colon, a podcast for recurring revenue businesses or right. you know, stop the noise, the content marketing podcast, no more forms, the conversational marketing podcast. So uh, just getting, hopefully getting people's brains going on how they could actually name the show. What, what's interesting about it is, is you talk through that and, and, and the vilifying enemy, you remember like the book, we did uh, a podcast interview, by the way, if anybody listens to flip my phone podcast, and if you hear the voice of the person who actually makes all the introductions, <laughs> James is the guy who's actually been doing that for me. That makes the podcast look so professional because it's a voiceover uh, on it. But you mentioned something really key. Now, don't want people to lose uh, on this. I think we'll flip my phone. Let's just take that as an example for, for a second. I think I've seen a lot of companies use podcast as a siloed strategy, mm. which means, hey, there's some guy or gal whose job is to do podcasts. Yes. But it's not part of your overall marketing strategy. Yes. And that is a big problem. It's like looking at it as a one channel would actually, over a period of time, would be like, what's the ROI of this channel? And and we all know that that's just just ridiculous to to start looking at it that way. You have to give it time. You you know, you didn't reach 4 million uh, downloads in a a month and a year. You didn't like just pay your way into it. You build your way into it. So could you share any example of companies that actually have looked at podcast as a flywheel, as a core to building a full business around it or using that as a core to amplify the business? Yeah. So I, I think you're, I mean, honestly, you guys are doing a fantastic job at Terminus. Um, yeah, being able to implement the podcast into like your email signatures, right? With Sigster, um, being able like putting it in your LinkedIn headline, you know, host of the Flip My Funnel podcast. Uh, another company that does this really well, Bomb Bomb. It's a show that we produce, uh, the Customer Experience podcast. Ethan Butte. They have integrated it really, really well. I think they've they even they mentioned interviews from the podcast in their book, Rehumanize Your Business. You mm-hmm. did a similar thing with ABM is B two B. So it, it really you're you're spot on there, man. That. The, the podcast should not be thought of in a silo. And when you really open your eyes to seeing what that content that can then do for the rest of your marketing, how you can bake it into, you know, books, email signatures, email sequences, your nurture sequences. Events, you events. Know. Yes. You, you, yeah, you've, you've activated and done some lot like live podcast interviews at events, haven't you? Yeah, I've done that. Like, and again, the the flip my funnel conference that that yes. we have together, right? Like, it's like it's it's all these things that that feed into and feed out of it. I'll share a quick story, and I, I want to get yeah. uh, get the questions as people are coming in, as Paul and Wendy and Amber and all of these folks are are so dropping your question. I, I want to pull you in and pull your question in here, uh, but they clearly are loving the idea of like your guest fund, your your prospecting, which yeah. uh, future customers, and yeah. I see relationship building. Uh, one of the things that that uh, that I was in, I was interviewing uh, Jillian, who's also with you, me, Amber, Paul. You know, she's also in the Peak community yep. um, that we are in, in as well. She's shared that on a podcast, like a random podcast. We I met her to his decision. She's with Thomson Reuters and Jillian. I'm like, hey, you're doing ABM. This is two years ago. Um, I'd love to interview you. How do you do ABM at a large company? She's like, yeah, happy to. 
And that's another thing. Not many people say, no, I don't want to yeah, be at a right? right? So that's another thing to, to talk to your customers. And then she hopped on a, um, uh, on a, on a call with me and we did a video interview. And uh, she just literally dropped in and said, hey, because of you guys and because of the ABM strategy, uh, our win rate is 95%. I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, this is just not possible. She's like, no, no. And this is like, we're doing the interview. She just dropped that number in. We, our CSM didn't know. Our, our marketing team obviously didn't know. And we're like, what? And then I'm like, great, that's it. We're done with the podcast. We don't yes. need any information. <laughs> and we have used that audio snippet everywhere in our sales process and anything, but we would not have got that if you were to go through a proper case study yes. where you just over the, everybody knows the majority of them are fake. So yep. you just do all that stuff. And then we use that story in the book, as you said, then she spoke at the conferences. So yes. the ROI of that one conversation, like I don't even know where to start to, to yep. start qualifying. Right. It's so wild, man. Another thing that we've recently started doing. So one thing we did a while back, a few years ago, uh, I just got on a plane back when you could, you know, do that kind of thing and 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 go and hang out with people in person pre-COVID. Uh, we I went and met up with a lot of guests, so I would find like who are our guests in Atlanta, and so I came up and did a B two B growth dinner with you and other guests that we'd had on the show in Atlanta. Um, I did it in Boston. I did it in Salt Lake City. I went to San Francisco, and so I was able to to create in person relationships and and push some deals further along. I think we, we won some new business out of me doing that little tour. Um, but it was really just with people that were listening to the podcast and were guests of the podcast. But the recent thing that we've started doing that a lot of B2B marketers have, uh, have really, anytime I've mentioned it, people are like, oh, I've never thought about that. Doing original research through your podcast. And so the way we're doing this at B2B Growth, you can ask these questions inside the interview, depending on, you know, if, if you want to do that, how long it takes to answer these. But coming up with like, we've came up with 12 like rapid fire questions. Some people answer those questions in three minutes. Some people, it takes nine minutes to answer the questions, but they're questions like, you know, uh, what are the, what's your most successful marketing channel right now? Is it organic search? Is it paid social? What metrics are your CEO currently measuring you on mm-hmm. and, and asking questions like that? Like what's the most underrated trend in B2B marketing right now? What's the most overrated tactic in B2B marketing right now? And we're going to ask a hundred of our guests on our show. Now we're not doing it in the actual episode. We're waiting for the post interview. You could also do this pre-interview, but yeah. by collecting responses to the same questions in just a separate video file, then you can have someone from your team kind of pull all that data together and turn it into original research. So I see, you know, Andy Crestadina talks about the power of original research and content marketing all the time. When you can share data, uh, it just, it makes you top of mind. You're the report that everyone in the industry is sharing. And so we're actually going to package up the original research and it's going to become a product for us. We're going to start producing original research on a quarterly basis and people pay like an annual fee to get access to our original research because we're talking to VPs of marketing day in and day out for our podcast anyway. So that's another really, I think a really smart way to repurpose it. Even if you're, you know, we're a media company. So packaging up and selling premium content is part of our business model. But for companies that sell software, don't really care to, you know, monetize their content. This, this would be phenomenal top of funnel content. You could even keep it in your podcast. 
Yeah, um, dude, but, I mean, it reminds me. So we had um, uh, Joe Paluzzi, who yep. you know as well from Condiment uh, Marketing Institute a few, uh, I think maybe last month. Um, um, and if, if some of you were on this, like Paul and Fahim and Robert and, and Kaden, and I think a lot of these folks were on it as well. And he mentioned something that is in line with what you just said. He said that you don't need to create 50 gated pieces of content mm-hmm. because there are a lot of great eBooks. There are a lot of great content, a lot of design work that's sitting in somebody sh- on somebody's shelf that nobody has ever read. Yep. Nobody. Yep. As opposed to that, create this one great piece of research, a great piece of content that everybody would associate you with. Mm-hmm. They will come every year to when you do that research. Like, so, so for Flip My Funnel, we did the Flip My Funnel survey for the last five years. And we, today we, we are now able to monetize it because we're able to partner up with it. But I never yeah. thought about that as a strategy, it just so happened because they're like, well, we don't, we're not going to create 50 pieces. So we just didn't do it. So maybe yeah. we were lazy. But that turned into a real strategy. And what you're talking about is it's taking it one step further. We're already having these conversations. Why not ask them the five questions that your industry really needs, uh, rapid fire, and they will give you the answers. And now, before you know, you have 50 responses from 50 PMOs, whatever. And then you put their name on it. You put their faces on it. You, you know, you tell them they promote it. Like you're talking about a whole new piece of content and legs for it that, again, if you looked at podcasts as just one channel, you would never think of it. Yep. You're exactly right, man. I didn't even necessarily think about putting the names and faces. So some that we we're at, I think we've got 22 responses right now for, yeah. from, from folks. And we're going to try to get to a hundred before we release our first one. Yeah. But that could be an interesting play too, is actually say, Hey, these are the hundred people that we talk to. So you can see firsthand that we're talking to actual practitioners and oh. not, you know, and, oh. and not, you know, just, just people that are, you know, writing books about this stuff or, you know, that haven't actually been in the trenches and doing it. Um, And, and by doing that, you've obviously got now a hundred people that are going to want to promote it because, you know, I think Marketo, Marketo did a fantastic job with that, with the fearless 50. It wasn't necessarily original research, but I mean, all of the branding for their event that year, I think it was a couple of years ago when I was seeing all the, you know, but they had billboards with their customers faces on it. I think Gainsight has done something similar. So I think you're tapping into something really powerful there. Absolutely. All right, let's just hop into So if you have questions, just drop in over here. I'm going to start bringing some of these questions in it. Um, I want to, maybe I'll just put this um, from Christine over here uh, as a new idea of the day, using podcasts with your ICPs and even attendees as, uh, as platform for conducting original research is a great idea to understand Personal, yeah, and this is really, really, I think, underscores your point. It helps you understand the persona and buyer's journey, plus helps you create additional derivative content of your targets. And this is something that I'm still shocked that so many people still do podcasts in a closed room with them mm-hmm. and the person without videos. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I, I think yeah. it's like, why wouldn't you? Why yeah. wouldn't you turn that into a video? Why wouldn't you take the podcast and put it? No, like, I don't remember last time I watched all like a like very few uh, watched a full on interview. Even this one, I don't yeah. expect everybody to watch every single thing. Whoever looks at it, so I'm going to take this and turn this into two minute snippets, four or five, and then share. And they get hundred thousand plus views yeah. in, just in general and aggregate. 
than a single thing. Again, yep. don't look at podcasts as a channel. Look at so, Christine. Thank you, um, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, let me pull up a a, a question. I've, from- I've got a question here too, Sanger. While you're while you're pulling up from there, just from the Peak community, from people that yeah. responded on the post yesterday. So just let me know oh. when. And and so, uh, Daryl Daryl uh, from VanillaSoft had a few questions. He said, "How do you drive podcast reviews and ratings?" Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So this is something that that we've recently uh, been pressing more into because we found that reviews don't don't uh, the way that Apple Podcasts, which is the primary podcast platform, uh, Spotify's creeping up on them, but right now Apple Podcasts is still the behemoth in the space. And so, um, what I have been, what we've been suggesting to our customers is to not really care much about reviews, care way more about ratings. Ratings are much easier to get. It's just a matter of tapping the number of stars that you think the show deserves, as opposed to having to think through a written review. And the way that Apple Podcasts displays ratings, it displays ratings much more predominantly than it does reviews. You'll want some reviews on there, you know, a handful, but the way it works, it only shows one review at a time and you have to scroll right. It doesn't even show the number of reviews, but it does show the number of ratings. And so the way that we've been suggesting to our customers to optimize for that and get as many ratings as they can is to start texting people on their team, texting their, you know, their best customers, but even just in your team alone. I mean, we produce podcasts for companies that have you know, 150 employees, you're, there's no reason your podcast shouldn't have 150 ratings because <laughs> just, just because of the number of people that you have on your own team that should care about your podcast. And so oh, yeah. don't, don't neglect your own backyard when you're doing this, because when you have, you know, we really want new customers when they first, when we first launched their show to get as many ratings as possible. You guys have done a phenomenal job with this with Flip My Funnel. And honestly, Sanger, I think that's a big reason why your show has made it into the top 50 in the business category because you've they, they're looking for downloads they're looking for the quality of the artwork for the podcast and they're looking at ratings and so if you optimize for ratings uh, and try to get as many people from your team your customers your friends um, to leave ratings for your show um, it, you know and you're, you're obviously you know you don't want to force anybody to give you a five-star rating it's going to be likely that, you know, most people are going to, going to give you a yeah, favorite rating. Yeah. Here's the thing I learned about both the book reviews that I've got for ABM B2B and this, like, if you don't ask, you're not going to get, you know, it's, right. it's like, to your point, it's, it's not forcing anybody, but I've just made a point. If somebody says something good about my podcast, I just have learned to say, Hey, thanks for that. Thanks for sending me a note. Would you mind just going online and just giving it a rating yep. if you really like it? And here's a link. You know, I, I want that your to guests too. Yeah. Like bake it into, bake it into the email sequence that you send when you let your, your guests know that their episode is live. Also ask them to, Hey, would you mind leave a, leaving a rating on the show? If, if so, you know, it'll help your episode and the show in, in general stay at the top of, you know, for our case, the B2B marketing category or the marketing category in, in Apple Podcasts. But, um, you know, it, so figuring out little things like that, asking your guests to leave a rating, getting your team to leave a rating, it, it helps you in a lot of ways. It helps you get on lists like yeah. like the top top 100 lists, but really it, it gives credibility to the show. So when you're going out and asking your ideal buyer to be a guest, and they see like, oh man, the show's got a hundred ratings. 
it legitimizes the show. And so yeah. I, I just think it's a really powerful thing. Um, there, there is go. And like Fahim have up here has a question as well. Um, Fahim is talking about like, how do you keep in touch with and build strong relationships with guests after recording the episode? Do you continue to create other types of content with them? That's a fantastic question, man. I just wrote a post about this, I think two days ago on Monday uh, on eight ways to nurture relationships with your podcast guests. So if you search, uh, if you find me on LinkedIn, just James Carberry, C-A-R-B-A-R-Y, you can go back to my activity and see that specific post. But a couple things you can do. one, do more content with them, which you're, you're, uh, you already mentioned there, Fahim, in, in the second part of your question. Uh, I think you could do, uh, you could do a collaborative, like maybe a blog post with them. You could do maybe a LinkedIn live with them, uh, another podcast interview with them. Maybe you uncovered like a different topic that they were passionate about during your first interview. So saying, Hey, in a couple of weeks, I'd love to jump back on and do another episode with you on this other topic. Would you be up for it? We've found that the magic in relationships happens when you've connected with somebody on the second time. And so if you even even if you just do one interview with somebody or one episode with somebody, we've started doing pre-interviews as a separate call. Now, when you're talking to somebody that does interviews all the time, they're an evangelist like Sangram or uh, or, or like Chris Walker, um, you know, it, and Handley, Jay Bear, those kind of names in the B2B marketing space do a lot of times they'll kind of push back again, not saying that Sangram has done this, but feedback I've heard from other like thought leader type people is, Hey, I don't need an extra pre-interview. Let's just go and get it. Like they've written books. They, they do talks on stage all the time. They know their content. So yeah. sometimes that can be off-putting when you're going after those type of people. But remember, I think the primary use of your, of your podcast should not be to go and interview influencers. I think you should be interviewing your ideal buyers. And most of the time, depending on who you're selling to, these people are not accustomed to being on a podcast often. You're, you'll likely be the first podcast that they're on. Right. Right. So, and, you know, it, it's a, it, you, what you brought up is a really, really interesting point. You, I think you remember that you might remember this is that the first 50 episodes of Flip My Funnel was with people in, at tournaments. And, and I literally would have a, a conversation in a meeting with somebody who's from a sales rep, for example. He said, hey, you know what? I was on a call today and I did this and this and that worked. I'm like, great. Let's just hop on in a room. And we just recorded that conversation. That got my jitters out of it. It's like, yeah. I'm not trying to do all that stuff. It yep. got, gave them recognition. I remember a rep saying to me, like, dude, my grandmother listened to it, right? <laughs> and, and she was so happy. And, and I remember those days. And I feel like, you made it such a good point. I don't want people to miss is that don't just go after influencers out yes. there because chances are they may or may not promote your episode either. Uh, yep. If you're looking for more people to look at it. So I've always tried to make a mix of it. Uh, yep. I'll, I'll try to have like somebody like Patrick Lencioni, you know, if, if, as, as things yep. have happened, but that's not all I'm looking for. I'm looking to talk to a rep. Uh, yep. trying to, I'm just trying to solve problems to my audience. Our, our least downloaded episodes are episodes that I've done with people like Gary V, Simon Sinek, Noah Kagan. And a lot of people think, uh, this is a very common thing, Sangram. People think, oh, I'm going to go interview this big name influencer and it, I'm going to get flooded with new downloads and subscribers. Nope. But the reality is those people are famous because they've built their own brand. They've created, they create their own content. 
So they're not very incentivized to share your content. They're, they're coming on your show to access your audience, yeah, not to shine their audience, uh, shine the spotlight from their audience onto you. Sure. Yeah, they work very hard to get the yeah, they, they're, they're growing their own thing. And the reason they're saying yes to coming on your show is they understand that they have a bigger audience than you, but they want to extract some of the people that you are reaching that they're not to come over to their tribe not yeah. necessarily leave yours. I don't want to paint it like they're malicious or have malicious intent, but they've got better things to do than promote your content because they want to promote their own content. And so uh, I love sharing that with people because I think people are very disillusioned to thinking yeah. that if they go and get a bunch of influencers on their show, that their audience is going to grow. And it's just not the case. It, it's not. I, I'm going to drop in a few questions, but one of the reasons I wanted to do this masterclass is because James, you and I both are in the community. And next Friday, I'm actually doing a Zoom session with everybody who's doing podcasts. And um, I hope you can make it too. Yeah. I'm going to be on it. And we're like, all right, pull it up. Let's just look at your podcast. Let's just give real time feedback from artwork, as you said, to review or questions might be yeah. technical or promotional or whatever. So, you know, if somebody wants to, to join us, like just DM me or DM James and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll shoot you the link. Love Here's it. another question from Robert. He said, uh, like just, just started to develop out a full thematic framework and initial calendar of guests on key topics of interest to launch. Um, I, I don't know if it's a statement more, more of a question, but it sounds like it's, you're starting to do something around like, Oh yeah. So he's saying, do I just start? Or do I develop out a full thematic framework yeah. and initial an initial calendar of guests? I I you know I was big on this in my book. Just start. <laughs> I, I I think you know the 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 thing that is going that cripples so many people is trying to do this. You know, trying to do all the all of the planning and all of the details and all of the. But if you just start, if if you literally just look and say. Who are, you know, who are the five people that I would love to talk to? And you just send them a LinkedIn DM or an email and just say, hey, you know, starting, starting a podcast, it doesn't even have to be live yet. You don't have to have artwork. You don't have to have anything. I found that the, the quickest way to get started is to start asking your potential guests to be a guest and just say, hey, starting a show, thought you'd be a fantastic guest for it. Um, you know, I read your book or I saw this post on LinkedIn that you wrote, would love to talk about this topic. Um, or we could just jump on a pre-interview and talk through some different ideas of things you might want to talk about. Are you up for it? And more often than not, that person is going to say yes. Yeah. Jump on the pre-interview, figure out their point of view. We've got some questions that we like to ask to uncover the unique point of view of the guests that you're featuring. So you can ask them a question like, Hey, Robert, what's a, what's a commonly held belief around B2B marketing that you just passionately disagree with hmm. and let them talk. Yeah. Or you can say like, you know, depending on what your topic is, I'm assuming it's, you know, B2B marketing, but it could be, you know, whatever, what, whatever the persona is of the person that you're having on your show, whatever their, uh, their interests are, whatever your show is going to be about, but asking them like, what should people in our space start doing that they're not doing right now? Yeah. That's another one that gets people talking about like something that they're passionate about or what's something that people should stop doing that yeah. people in our space are doing way too much of right now. So getting those three questions, get people to talk about something that is usually di pretty different and unique. 
and not just saying the same thing, like sales and marketing should be aligned. Like if I hear one more person say that, but again, when you're going out, when you're talking to guests that are not frequent content creators, they're your buyers, but they're not necessarily prolific content creators. So they don't know that everybody else is saying the same thing. So you as the host have to set them up to have a unique point of view. And that's why I like those POV discovery questions because it really does get them talk. Like a lot of times they'll stumble on something like, man, I didn't even realize that I had good content in me, but you, through this process, you've, you've added tangible value to them just in allowing them to find their own voice. Oh, no doubt. Well, one of the things I do as well, uh, James, is a lot of times I'll ask, like, once the interview is done, and I don't see a lot of people doing this, uh, something something to, to something I learned to do more of than before is once the interview is done, I'll ask, hey, who are the, the two more people that you think I should interview on this episode? That's fantastic. Right? And they typically, you, they know at least one person that they can immediately say, oh, yeah, you should interview uh, my buddy at so-and-so company and who does that. And we're like, okay, great. Would you mind uh, doing an intro? I can write it up and share with you. He's, and that person would typically say, yeah, of course. So you, I would write something up. Hey, thanks for the interview. Here's what we did. Here's when your episode is going live. And if you could forward this and copy me on it, whoever you want to interview next. Yep. Most of my 600 episodes that I've done they have come from people I've already interviewed and they telling, Hey, you should talk to these people. Yep. Yeah. That is such a, such a sharp, such a sharp cheat code. I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think way more people should be doing that. Yeah. All right. Um, here's another one. What's the balance, uh, you find an audio versus video or mix on long form dialogue podcast format. And there was another question in here. I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was from Amber, um, or Robert, somebody who, who talked about like, well, should, should, should you, how long should be your podcasts and stuff? Yeah. So I, I think, uh, I think in terms of the balance, I think all, I think you should be recording all of your podcast content on video, whether it's on zoom or, you know, whatever platform you like the most, I, I, we use zoom, uh, here, but, uh, in terms of the length, I think that I would, I used to tell you, you know, I don't know, 18 months ago, I would have said that try to keep it so that somebody could listen to an entire episode on their commute to work. But we've realized from our own personal experience that, you know, sometimes content and ideas need a little bit more time. And, and so, uh, we've had some of our most popular episodes that have been, you know, 50, 55 minutes long because we're unpacking a concept or an idea on B2B growth that just requires a little bit more time. Now you've got it. So, so I would say that the episode needs to be as long as it needs to be, but be very careful. A lot of times we get in our heads like, Oh, our episodes have to be 45 minutes or they have to be an hour. And it's very hard to create content for that amount of time. That's really good and meaty and substantive. Um, And so you end up filling it with a lot of fluff and you're talking about the guest dog and, you know, where they grew up and you're bantering for 15 minutes on growing up in, you know, Sandusky, you know, Ohio. And it's like, that's, that's nice for you and your guest. And again, if you're doing content-based networking, that's good, but do that pre-interview. Like you can have that conversation, build that rapport, build that relationship. Um, But during the actual interview, keep it on the topic, keep it focused. 
And, uh, and we've just found that the majority of our episodes come in between 12 and 20 minutes because you can really flesh out and get and, and create really great content in that amount of time. Sometimes it needs to go over that, but uh, that, that would be my advice is it, it needs to be as long as it needs to be. But if, if your default is an hour, then I would really look and say, man, is, is this content really meaty? Is it really engaging? the entire time? Are we getting feedback that people are getting a ton of value out of this? Or yeah. are we just, you know, are we just him and Han for a lot? Yeah, of right. I mean, I used to, I used to do all that stuff. And, and, and right now, the only reason we're like going, keep going is because, Hey, there are questions, there are conversations yep. there. Are, uh, and that's one of the reasons I do it now live. So I've been um, being in a dark room by myself to doing video episodes, not just doing live. And, and I've shared this with other other people. And maybe I write a post on this. If I get zero downloads on my podcast, zero, I'll still continue to do that for as long as I could. Yeah. It doesn't matter because my goal is to build a relationship, build great like customer referrals. If we, you know, as we think about like, you know, uh, terminus as, as a company. And then also at the, at the height of all of this, I just want to learn something yep. new to keep myself. Right. And that's the reason I do it. Yeah, that may not be the reason for everybody to do it, but I feel like that thing has freed me from vanity metrics, yes. from overly selling it to people, trying to over like right now people don't realize I don't have I don't even have a fancy mic like uh, James does. It's literally on my Mac Pro audio and video. Like I'm so low tech. So if you're like, yeah. I don't have the tech, I need to buy. Like you can start with authentic conversations, yep. and if you do that. And you, you mentioned something earlier in this, uh, earlier in this conversation that I want to go back to Sangram, cause you've done this really, really well. This has been something that we've been talking about for a while. This idea of having multiple co-hosts of your show. Yeah, that's um, So I, I, you know, we've now got, uh, multiple people from our internal team that are hosting episodes. Our director of partnerships who, you know, our, our sales guy basically is our primary co-host. Our director of audience growth is a co-host. I'm a co-host. Um, one of our uh, our COO comes on the show a lot. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's hosted any episodes necessarily yet, um, but be, think about like who are the internal people on your team that could host the show, and then who are the external people. This is what you were referring to earlier with Takeover Tuesday, but I think we've got ten or eleven different series on B2B growth. We've got a demand gen series. We've got a revenue series. We've got a CEO series. We've got a series for agencies. And so we just put hashtag and then whatever the series name at the front of the headline in, in the podcast name. Whenever we upload it to our hosting provider, we use Libsyn, but you could, if whether you use an anchor or sounder or whatever. And then what, what it allows you to do is what you just said, Sangram, you can learn so much from your buyers by featuring them on the show. Why don't you have multiple people from your sales team co-hosting, you know, your, your SDR leader or even your SDRs? I mean, what, what better way to understand the language of your buyers than by talking to them? And, yeah. and if you're only measuring their success by the number of sales, you know, the number of demos that they're booking or whatever, then you're shortchanging the amount of learning that they need to do. They need to actually talk to these people when it's not about your product. They yeah. need to talk about them in a or talk with them in a context that has nothing to do with what you sell. 
and has everything to do with them as a professional in the workplace. Like what's keeping them up at night? What are they focused on? And a podcast is the perfect medium to do that because you can come in and have multiple people from your team starting to have these conversations with different people at organizations that you want to work with about the, about topics that they care about. And, and so I I just think the learning that you get just, so I, I love that you pointed that out because that cannot be understated. You know, our, our second core value at Sweetfish is never stop learning. And I just think it's the, the value that I got from interviewing our buyers, you know, seven, 800 episodes and hearing how they talk and hearing what they care about. It, it drastically shaped our service and, and it's helped us become, I, I'm pretty sure we're the largest podcast agency in the world, just in terms of the, you know, the, the size of our company. Um, yeah. But it, it's, it's happened because I took the time to actually get to know these people and learn from the people that we want to sell to uh, instead of just selling to them. We're yeah. building relationships and learning from them. So it, it's not this transactional thing. I love it, man. All right. We are way over. Like this is the example of like hey, trying to do a 25 minute and you're way over because the conversation is so good and there are flurry of questions and conversations happening. So James, after this, if you get a chance, yep. I'll send a link to the LinkedIn and you could just totally you know, respond to them. So I'm going to share three big ideas. I'd love for you to share a big challenge with everybody uh, to just take this on questions that they have or something like just one very quick challenge that they can do today. Yep. Like literally today. And, and, and then again, uh, if you guys want to be part of this uh, small mastermind group that we're doing, where we are literally having people pull up their podcast and talk through in the peak community with James and I are doing next, uh, next Friday, uh, just DM me or DM James and, and we'll, 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 we'll get you in there. Number one, you got to figure out everybody. I'm not hearing this across the board. I'm, I wrote so many notes. So number one, I'm trying to figure out where do I start? So here's where I'm going to start. Number one, you got to figure out the goals for your podcast. Yes. And if your goals are number of downloads or like any of those vanity metrics, you're going to be severely disappointed mm-hmm. and you might as well just not even do it uh, because that's not the real goal. So figure out the real goals. And some of the goals that I have seen and you have seen work like revenue might be one of the best if you're in that software business right now, like go and get revenue for your company and that will pay for it. Just be aware of what you're trying to do. So, so figure out the goal and be very clear about it and set expectations internally. You're, you're, unless you're a media company, which we all know we all need to become at one yeah. point, but majority companies are not, you're never going to get the level of reach that you have right now with a million, what we did with Buffalo, just not going to happen overnight. Yeah. So, but you can have hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue within a very short period of time if you really think through and be strategic. Number two, Look at your podcast as a flywheel. It's a big mistake people do. Look at it as a source, one thing, and you're going to miss out all the goodness from it. We run the podcast. We have a conference. We have a blog that comes out of that is a recap of this every single day. It helps from an SEO. We take the video, put it in two-minute snippets, something that I learned from James. So something that, that across the board, your social, demand gen, sales, customers, everybody somehow, some way, shape, or form is using it. And 99% of the companies are not even doing that. So mm-hmm. it's a really easy, low-hanging fruit to, to really go from. Like if you're struggling with content, do podcasts. You won't, you won't regret it. And then finally, you just said something that I want to reiterate is just start. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that's where a lot of people struggle is like, where do I start? What do I do? I need a whole plan. Like, no, just, just talk to the people on your team, talk to the three customers that you might have and just learn and you will learn and you will, you'll ask for referrals and you will get the next set of customers. But people that would be that would be my challenge for everybody listening to just piggyback on your third point there, Sangram. I I would say legitimately, like if, if to, today go and find three people that you think would be a fantastic guest. You don't need podcast artwork. You don't need the show to be live. You don't need any of that. Go to three people and say, "Hey, I'm starting a podcast about whatever topic, and I would love for you to be one of my first guests. Are you up for it?" question mark. That's it. Like two, three sentence message. It does not need to be long. People think that their outreach needs to be super long and that they need to have fancy guests uh, that before people will tell them, yes, you do not. Like I've done this hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of times. (laughs) And you do not need, uh, you do not need more than a two to three sentence message or email to someone to get them to say yes to being on your show and just start, just start. I mean, you'll figure out yeah. the rest as you go. You'll figure out that Calendly is a great way to set up your pre-interviews and your actual interviews. You'll figure out the questions to ask. But if you actually get somebody to say yes to being a guest on your show, that yeah. is usually the catalyst and the starting point for you. Just for, It's a forcing function like I know you and I have talked about before. It's a forcing function for you to just start doing it. Love it, dude. So much goodness. There's so many comments. Like, I'm just going to say, like, you know, people just totally love this. This was ridiculously good. Um, and, and I know this is like, as Robert said, always good to spend this morning with you. So for folks, every, at least as far as I can, I'm not, I don't know how it's happening, but every Wednesday at 9 a.m., I'm having some incredible guests to just share what I want to learn or what I see questions. If you have questions, hit me up. Uh, but next week I'm going to have, which I think, James, you know, uh, Dale Dupree. Yeah, and, uh, we're going to talk because I had a ton of marketers lately, but I didn't have a salesperson in probably a couple of months. So yeah. I'm going to have Dale. He's writing a new book, The Sales Rebellion. So yeah. uh, you know how, how cool. Uh, cool I was just at lunch with him the other day. He's here in Orlando and yeah. uh, he's, he's going to bring the fire. He is. He's incredible. He's, he's probably as authentic as it gets. Uh, yeah. if, if so. so next Wednesday at 9 a.m., I'm going to have Dale. On and we're just going to talk about uh, the sales rebellion and his story of his life and journey. Uh, and again, this this probably goes against the grain of like we got to be so perfect. Yep. But it's like you know what, you got to be human. Yep. You got to learn and you got to take a break uh, from the, you got the ideas that come from different things. And if you have great authentic conversation, people will follow yep. along. So, I love uh, it. Thanks everybody for joining, James. Thank you, love you, brother. It's so awesome to see you. Uh, We'll see you next Wednesday, 9am. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.